Plain, South Dakota. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is going to be fun. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Lamb Catholic Radio and uh, the Brothers Times Three here. So uh, we we're, we're grateful. To, uh, first, maybe introductions. I'm Joe Rutten, Director of Faith Formation and Executive Director of the Catholic Men's Business Fraternity in Sioux Falls, and I'm joined here today by my two wonderful brothers, Father Paul and Father John. Fellas, say hello and uh, welcome. Introduce yourselves. <laughs> Good morning and welcome everyone. Father Age Paul before Rutten. beauty. Oh, thanks. Father Paul Rutten, the <laughs> pastor of Immaculate Conception in Watertown. Uh, Father John Rutten, pastor at St. Lambert Parish in Sioux Falls. Awesome. Well, fellas, uh, maybe won't we let the audience know what we're doing here? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, oh, that's even scripted. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> oh, boy. This is, okay. is going to be fun. If you're out there listening, I don't know if anybody is, but if you are listening out there, <laughs> what did I do? It might be a bunch of us, uh, the three brothers, laughing at each other in the studio. <laughs> you're driving in your car to work, wondering what's going on. So, anyway. Yeah, so this is the Rutten brothers uh, Father Paul Rutten, Joe Rutten, Father John Rutten. Uh, not really sure. What this is going to be, but certainly at this moment we're on your airwaves, and it originated really because I was an associate priest in Yankton, South Dakota, Sacred Heart Parish, and I, uh, Dave Gertner, the DRE, was going to bring I think Father Paul in uh, to speak, which is a really common thing, you know, that you do in churches. Vocations. Is, yeah, talking vocations. Father Paul was the vocations director. Uh, Dave was going to invite him in to talk, and so he said something to the pastor about it. And Father Mark Lichter, the pastor at the time, said, Yep, Father Paul can come, but only if he brings his brother Joe. And that was a hard bargain. Uh, and so Father <laughs> Fitzpatrick... Not come, but because you'd prefer I wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> it was a hard bargain because it's, uh, you know, you got to deal with, like, three priests, four priests. Like, the more, you know, it's a complicated world when uh, you're trying to make church times work. So, yep. anyway, Father, Father Fitzpatrick said, Well... Because Joe was working at the cathedral, and he said, um, "I'll do. I'll trade you. I'll give you <laughs> Joe Rutten for one night if the whole crew comes to my place." And when he said the whole crew, he meant me too. Uh, so it ended up being the three of us in Yankton, South Dakota, uh, and we set up the chairs, and we're gonna have this night of uh, with the three of us, and it stunned us. There was like all these people showed up, <laughs> and we were like, "What's everybody what doing here? Is there something else going on?" Or <laughs> yeah. even showed up. And, what's that? Or even yeah, my up. sister comes down from Canton, and it was just amazing. So uh, it was evident before we even opened our mouths that something was happening, and uh, we've just followed that. And so we ended up in Watertown, and we're supposed to go to the cathedral, and. Um, so we did a, a Wednesday night church night, families and kids and kind of catechesis night. And uh, John, he had it all fully organized. And we had stopwatches and bells and to keep us from Lots of bells and whistles. None of those here today. <laughs> no, no, we don't have any bells to no. ding to keep, keep the twins from uh, talking too much. But, and then we went up to Father Paul's. And, Paul, boy, that was quite, a, quite an event you had up there. Yeah, we do uh, what we call Truth on Tap in Watertown on Tuesdays, one Tuesday of the month. Uh, and so they asked if we would come do it. Uh, and I said, well, sure, if you're ready for it. Uh, and I don't know if we were ready or if they were ready, but uh, 
it again was a great opportunity. We showed up probably 225, 250 people. Uh, overwhelmed the poor place. Uh, the poor waitresses were just oh man, you know, they did fantastic. Uh, and then we just <laughs> me and the dog, and it, we just kind of went from there. But but it was a great opportunity <laughs> again, just to sort of say, well, this is life, and uh, and really nothing held back either. And I think that's what the people kind of appreciated mm-hmm. was so often, especially for us as priests, they see one side of us, uh, and then to throw in a brother. Uh, and then to watch the interactions, uh, <laughs> the the things that come from it. So it, it definitely went well. You know, I, I think that for for a lot of people, it's their first opportunity to actually prove true that there are three of us. <laughs> yeah. And that there's two priests and there's this guy that was, right? Who's, there's this other guy. He's not really, we don't know whose twin he is, but he's right. a twin somehow. Uh, yeah. John, John, I just ran into somebody up in Stillwater, Minnesota. Father Jake Anderson. Father Jake Anderson. Boy, so we go up to Mass up in Stillwater on Sunday, (laughs) and uh, my sister goes to introduce me to the associate priest, and you would have thought this guy's seen a ghost. And he just... He couldn't. He, you could see the the wheels turning in his brain as he's trying to figure out what's going on here, and and what he couldn't figure out is how come I didn't have clerics on. Yeah, he thought, <laughs> he thought you. Thought was, <laughs> <laughs> you. He, uh, he's supposed to be a good friend of mine. <laughs> and the first thought of this wasn't, oh yeah, Father John has a a twin brother. His first yeah. thought was. Father John wore, grew a beard and took his clerics <laughs> off to fool me. He just was at my house, like, the next day. Oh, that's, oh, too, that's funny. Awesome. too funny. So, yeah, so we had some great events, and uh, Lamb Radio, I don't know if they got word, or I think they might have even been honest before we did the Ruttons Times 3 in Yankton, but they've been asking for a long time to get us in studios and in the studio and do, do a little show. So here we are, and uh, the title of the show this morning is Faith, Family, and Working for the Church. So... With that, faith starts with family, so let's start there. Maybe uh, maybe a couple of minutes each on mom and dad. Let people know out there if they don't know. And even those that do, they might find uh, find out something new. But why don't we just talk a little bit about our mom and dad. And I'll start with, with, uh, with going and, and sharing a little bit about our father. Our dad, Ed, is... Uh, is kind of famous in a few circles in the North End, and I'm sure, sure other places, because he really is just he's, 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 for not knowing how to drive. <laughs> I, I think a few of us inherited that characteristic, too, if my wife's out there. Oh, but my sister Christy, by the way, if she's listening, um, I, followed, I followed her around up in Stillwater for, for a couple of days. She's got, dad's, she's got dad's driving ability, but I probably do, too, so I better I better get the plank yeah, out of my Yeah, I followed eye. you in today, I think you do yeah we need to assure mom that we'll only tell stories like this about her after she's passed away (laughs) (laughs) we love you mom uh so anyway just a a quick little bit maybe on uh pops here but uh, you know something with with our family is we take a lot of pride in our our ancestry our heritage and as we grew up most people just associated us as being the irish kid you know being irish with my mother being a donnelly and Really, my father's heritage I got into quite a bit, and, and he, he, we come from a deep line of uh, Dutch ancestry, and we're able to trace our heritage back to 1555, which is pretty significant. And what I realized in doing this process was that uh, my father comes from really a noble heritage and ancestry, but they're humble, and even their their logo and their shield. That sometimes when people's ancestry, they have these you know flowers and leaves and knights' helmets and all these types of things. On my father's family shield is actually a plow. And they took great pride in being farmers and being able to contribute to the community in which they lived. And so this is the heritage. He, my father comes from a deep work ethic. He's very he's a very quiet man. Uh, really, Saint Joseph is a great 
model, if you will, for him because he was simply a provider and a protector. Uh, my best memory uh, of my father, a memory I'll share here, and then I'll, I'll turn it over for somebody to talk a little bit about, about mom. But, you know, you, can you imagine we got nine, there's nine of us, and, you know, by the time the twins come, John and I come along, and Katie, I'm sure my parents are pulling their hair out. Um, but I remember the one of the first cars that we got, and my dad drove us, like, at the time, I it felt like we were going to Watertown, but I think it was, like, out to Colton or Del Rapids to pick up this car that he bought for $350. In the champ. And it was banana yellow. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the interior. The interior seats were yellow, too. It was just god-awful. Oh. And so... I vividly remember like being repulsed and, and as a selfish 14-year-old kid right. being like, I'm not driving this thing. And I wonder what my dad thought to himself, like, you got to be kidding me. So he had to get in the car and drive the car home. And here we are protesting the thing. Well, we have to drive this thing to O'Gorman for a couple of years or whatever. You know, and it turned out to be a great car. We literally drove the thing until it only had third gear left. <laughs> yeah. Stick shaft, I think. So, but that's just a great memory. I always wonder about the headaches we caused him. But he didn't complain a lot. He just, he was pretty humble. He was pretty simple. He's quiet. And he just went about his daily work. So, uh, I don't know if we inherited uh, much of the quiet side. Or John, the humble John, side. <laughs> So, but anyway, uh, God love him. He passed away in uh, October of 2012. And anybody that's lost a loved one out there, you know, that when you really miss him is when you want to pick up the phone and call him or something, or you need something that you used to get advice from him for, and and they're not there. But they're always with us. Uh, Really, I just, I feel privileged to be able to call Ed Rutten my father and to know that I come from his ancestry. Yeah. That summed it up well. Um, So I get mom. Uh, That was how it worked. Uh, which is it's kind of fitting. Again, mom is the youngest of 14. In our day and age today, I don't think we can even fathom what it would be like to have 13 older brothers and sisters and all of this kind of life that, that you live. And she spent most of her time here in Sioux Falls. And then uh, when her mom died, moved with her sister. Uh, and I think, again, just an incredible woman who learned how to roll with the punches. Like, whatever life was going to throw at her, she was just going to figure out how to make the best of it. Uh, but in turn, she, I think she really taught us the importance of family uh, and the fact that we often knew more of our family that lived further away than dad's family that lived in town. And I, mm-hmm. growing up now, thinking back, I think to myself, I mean, I had aunts and uncles and cousins in Sioux Falls that we just, unless it was graduation, we just well. never saw them. You know, and that was just the way it was. But Aunt Mary, she lived in Minneapolis, and we saw her all the time. And, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I mean, it was just like family came and went. And, and I think the other thing was, you know, her trusting that God would provide in so many ways. Uh, you know, again, Dad gave her the ultimatum list of how to get back to Sioux Falls, and you need to find a house within so many blocks <laughs> of the cathedral. It had to have a fence. It had to be big enough for all of these kids, and it had to be this price and all these things. And he's probably thinking to himself, there's no way we're moving to Sioux Falls. And uh, lo and behold, she comes to Sioux Falls. She finds the house. It's within five blocks. It's got a fence. It's got enough room for all the kids. And she calls and says, honey, we're moving. Uh, and we moved back to Sioux Falls. You know, and so just to be able to see that, that, that it was. Uh, but then at the same time to realize that uh, from her comes this idea that uh, anyone in need is somebody that we can help, will mm-hmm. help. Yep. Uh, the number of people uh, that you would meet that would say, well, you know, your mom did this for me, your mom did that for me. And, and again, I think those are those things even probably with dad. Um, because they don't talk about it, you find out later. You know, you run into this person, and they're like, oh my gosh, your mom, oh, I know your mom. And you're like... 
oh, how do you know my mom? And they tell you the story, and you're like, how did I not know that story? Or uh, those kinds of things, and just the great love that she has as well for being Irish and uh, all of those things. And so it, it definitely, um, I think about it. You know, I live in Watertown, and I often think I don't come home often enough, and it's like, ooh, one of these days, you know. Uh, so I did come home on Sunday to see her as well. Uh, but to not take for granted that ability, because, you know, I think about Dad. and For me, what it was is coming down into the kitchen and him not sitting in the mm. end of the table with the newspaper, uh, just kind of quietly going about his morning, and you walk in and he's not there, and you realize, oh, wow, uh, that, w- that was significant. He didn't say anything except for morning or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for Mom, just, uh, you know, her, her love for life, and you just never knew what she was going to get you into or... Uh, or out of as well as a mother would do. Uh, and since she's still around, we have great opportunities to be able to to make more memories and to continue to be grateful. Yeah, uh, she's uh, she's kicking it and doing well over at Prince of Peace. Yep, Prince of Peace, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to like this, but now when uh, she wonders where I've been for a while, I'm just practicing the dad side of the family. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? there's a sense of thinking that like one way of doing it is better than the other. Yes, whatever. The yeah. truth of the matter is it is what it is. Right. And you can, I'm just like right now, just recognizing uh, dad's family are quiet, simple, farming, settled people. Well, of course, then, even if you live in town, mom's family, grandpa was a train conductor. He was on the train. They moved like all the time. They were everywhere. The people were, uh, they were transient, trained people who were crazy. Uh, And so we were raised, yeah, in a great way. So we were raised as transient, trained people. Because uh, mom said, dominate the family. I remember. But, but, but yet, at the same time, you know, just thinking about reflecting upon the gift of our family. And, you know, a lot of people lo- that know our family love them. A lot of people that don't know them kind of surrogately through one brother or sister, you know, kind of love their uttons. And so it's like, well, what do we have? What do we have? One of the things that we did have, though, was we had the stability of dad, too. And so both were present where, you know, we grew up in the same house our whole lives. Yeah. And until dad died, that was at least for, for the younger the younger three, and then Paul as well. So we started in Larchwood, moved to Del Rapids, and then ended up in Sioux Falls in 77. But that stability of dad and that uh, that spontaneity of, sure. of our Irish mother is really what you find in some degree in different percentages in all of us. Yeah, I think it's like if you've ever met somebody that's been raised bilingual, and you watch, listen to them talk, and they'll jump back and forth between the two languages. And I remember asking the guy, well, how do you decide which language to speak? And he said, well, whichever word comes first. Uh, so if it comes in Spanish, I say Spanish, and it goes Spanish till I can't think of a word in Spanish, and then jumps back to English and back and forth. Uh, and I think the same thing. We were just raised with stability and this transientism, and so you just roll with it. And so if you're not moving, you're not moving, and if you're moving, you're moving. And uh, there's, it just becomes natural for us to just say, well, you know, where are we at today? Well, we're here. Okay, we'll yeah. be here. But if it, somebody says, let's move, okay, well, we're going to move, and we get up and move, which maybe for us as priests is a helpful thing. Yeah. You know, that ability to stay where you're at, but then the moment you're told to go, you get up and go, and you realize there's going to be new memories and new Mm. people and those kinds of things as well. And that everybody's different, and that's okay. Personalities, (laughs) characters. The Lord made them all different. The good Lord made us all different, didn't he, John? (laughs) That was my dad's famous words that helped me survive seminary. We'll get to seminary priesthood and all that here down the road. So, uh, but maybe mom and yeah, dad Yeah, mom together, and dad so. as a unit, you know, I, uh, I remember kind of growing up, well, we've all been in different places, and I remember when I kind of wasn't really with the church all that well, and uh, people would, but you guys were, and so people would say to me, not realizing where I was, and they'd be like, how'd your mom and dad do it? Uh, and, 
you know, it's easy to just give a pat answer. Oh, like they prayed the rosary every Sunday. Well, that's kind of insufficient. Uh, or they, you know, put us in Catholic school. Well, that's part of it. Like, or they, you know, didn't deground us or they didn't spank us. Well, maybe. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Once or twice. Once or twice. Uh, so I guess I came to this answer and I didn't even realize. I, I said they... They were broken people, and they knew Jesus was the only answer. Experientially, they knew Christ was their only means to the life that they were looking to save. Uh, and as I've gotten older, and as I've come back to the church, and as I've practiced and learned and all this stuff, I'm like, it really is that simple. They knew they were broken people, and they knew Jesus Christ as an experience who was their saving life. Uh, and I think that's how they did it. And even before that, though, it's grace. It's God's grace. Uh, nobody's other's family is doing it wrong. Our family isn't doing it right. It's God's grace, and he bestows as he desires. Uh, I think of when Dad was dying, he uh, talked about Abraham and Sarah. You know, and you could think, well, why Abraham and Sarah? Well, that's what God chose. Or why King, why King David? Uh, why the 12 apostles? Why Mary? Um, well, why Monica and Ed? Because that's what God chose. Mm -hmm. And so God's choosing everybody. Right, right. We have to recognize it. Yep. And I think for us, you know, when I finally stopped looking over at the offense at everybody else's life and started yep. looking at my own, life became beautiful. I discovered I am broken, and Jesus is the only answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, starting with our brokenness, um, there, you know, and we remember some people from the outside looking in as we were kids growing up in the north end of Sioux Falls, the cathedral uh, district. You know, sometimes there is a sense of, as we got older, nostalgically looking back and thinking, oh, the Ruttons had it. But I remember doing that with the other families, like the Earlys and the Newtons. Oh, like, yeah. and I wish I was an Early. I wish I was an Early. <laughs> but isn't that the tendency of all of us, really, is to, to kind of look to the other side of the fence and to think that they have it all. But, but at the heart of it, that's because we see our brokenness, but we're not willing to lead with that yet. Yeah. And then once yeah. we're willing to lead with that, then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I, you know, I can, I can be a Rutten and accept it. Um, just maybe one, either either of you, speak a little bit about, you know, as, as priests, you get a different experience of this, as Catholics as well, but how, what influence or role did the Catholic charismatic renewal play, do you think, um, in mom and dad's faith life? And then was that passed on at all, or did your experience of that uh, change the way that you do spirituality, maybe? Well, I think, for me, I, I probably knew it more than you guys, which we didn't even really know it a lot in one sense, just because we were, we were younger in the midst of it all. Um, and I think it was a reflection, again, as you said, John, that uh, they were just following. It was what was feeding them. It gave them a community. It gave them a group of people. It gave them a place to be able to experience the love of God. Uh, it, it was what they needed at the time. And then at one moment they sensed something wasn't right, and they just sort of stepped out and said, you know, this was good. Uh, this was, was beautiful. And and for me, what I think it did for me is to say, well, you find what's, what's really going to feed you and brings you joy, and then you do it. Uh, and so whether it's the charismatic renewal, whether it's, the, you know, the, the Latin mass, whether it's just the uh, mass, you know, at your local parish, whether it's doing retreats, whatever it is, if you're encountering Christ, do it. Yeah. And when you sense something changes and you're not encountering Christ in that same way, stop. Yeah. And step you know. back. And, and so they, weren't, they didn't seem tied to it. Like it had to, it just had to stay. And, Instead, it really reflected this. Uh, it was a place where they were able to meet Christ. 
I think about it, and it was really kind of fascinating because it was really a small community. Uh, you know, and now we've got, you know, your church has this community garden. And it's like, well, we had a community garden, too, yeah. uh, within the, the charismatic renewal. You know, we had this garden, and everyone went out and picked them. Well, we didn't realize it was so we could eat. You know, like, no, it's because we're going to eat this food, you know, and like, we need this food and we can it and it'd be in the basement. And, uh, and it was just that beauty. Like somebody had land, somebody had the ability to farm. We had lots of kids to pick it all, you know? So those kinds of things, uh, I think that for me was, was what I saw from it. Uh, and so, you know, I can see the beauty of it. Do I feel like I need to be all in? No, but I don't push it away because it's not. You know my spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, the influence it has had on me personally um, has been helpful because it has created tension. Well, first I would say I think it's absolutely central. I don't think we would be here today had the Catholic Charismatic Renewal not existed because Dad's conversion came through. Right. Uh, yeah. these people yeah. and if dad had not encountered the living presence of jesus christ who loved him i would have become a very different man sure I, yeah I so would agree. All in that sense have. there's the influence uh personally uh i think what it did for me was it created the dialogue in my life um i think today we're kind of we're always trying to like have everything solved as opposed to living constantly in this dialogue that helps us move forward and the renewal helped me have a dialogue because I tend toward structure and order and perfection and just getting it right. And the renewal always was this sort of like free and moving <laughs> yeah, and yeah, sentimental yeah. and feelings. And um, so for me, I think the influence has been it's helped me dialogue with my own heart and find a way forward in my mm. personal relationship yeah. with Christ. Because I remember, you know... I, I would vacillate. When I went to seminary, it was the biggest difficulty for me was which ones are right. Oh. The, the, the liturgy, traditional, orthodox, or this charismatic, free spirit. And um, I knew mom and dad, so I couldn't discount oh, that. Oh, yes. But then yes. I, went to this ma- I went to the ordination of some good friends of mine in a very traditional religious order in Chicago. And this young man spoke about Jesus Christ in a way that just like floored me. And I was like, yeah, it's all one. We're all looking for this presence of Christ who changes us. And so uh, it's been good for me to dialogue. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, Monica and Ed were blessed to have nine children. (laughs) Uh, You know, dad came from eight, mom came from 14, and then they decided, you know, nine was theirs. And so just the brothers and sisters and growing up with a big family, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it right now. Maybe uh, we can get to that in the second hour a little bit more. But maybe just on your brothers and sisters, if you got a, a thought or two about uh, Rick, Christy, Laura, Laura Shelley, Tom, Tom, Paul, John, Joe, Katie. Katie. <laughs> One more time. Rick, Christy, Christy Laura, Laura, Shelley, Tom, Tom Paul, John, Joe, Katie. Katie. <laughs> and, and my biggest problem with that is that I'm supposed to come before John. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Like even the stockings at Christmas. i got a bone to pick with my father when I get to heaven. <laughs> Gosh dang it. So the stockings at Christmas coming down the staircase, like you start with Rick and you go down to Katie, but it's supposed to go Joe, John, Katie. I'm older. I'm older. And they always is John, Joe, Katie. And it's like, wait a minute here. It's like, oh, this has damaged me psychologically. So anyway, uh, maybe the bro- just the brothers and sisters, uh, a, a minute on on them if you want to throw them out. Well, I guess I just always say what I was grateful for with it all is, like, if you would take your classic high school, 
Somebody from every clique lived in mm. our house. Oh, yeah. We had cowboys. We had cheerleaders and homecoming queens. We had people in the band. We had people who were in anything. We had jocks. We had people that were smart, people that were not smart. Like, <laughs> everything lived in our house. Yeah. And you had to figure out how to, like, at least tolerate them uh, and to see the other side. And, and for me, that's what I just was always grateful for. Like, when I would walk through the halls of a and I'm like, yeah, I could see that that's my brother or that's my sister. And, in fact, there was a moment where somebody didn't know Tom and I were brothers. And they said to Tom, that's really nice of you to bring that kid to school every day. And I was like, well, he's, in, he's in my house every morning waiting for a ride, so I should probably give him a ride. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's my little brother. And they're like, how are you two brothers? And it's like, well, I don't know, but we are. Yep. You know, and it was like, well, okay. Yep. We were different. It's interesting you say that because when I, by the time we got to O'Gorman oh, sure. High School, I was, I was like a chameleon. And actually, I needed to work through that at some point. Like, who am sure. I? Because I could just, I was so fluid in my ability to interact or relate to different. Mm-hmm. And I guess, and now I'm just seeing right here, this is partly why is because I knew how to relate to somebody that was from the country, that yep. somebody that yep. enjoyed bull riding, somebody, uh, I yeah. knew how to relate to somebody that wasn't really interested uh, in things, but was interested in the band or. Yep. So. Yeah. And, and for me, it just that to realize that the, we're, we're all different and that's all right. But to find your passion, find your gifts and your passions and then to go after that. You know, you think of like Tom. Tom struggled with school. I think he's dyslexic. But when you take a look at they say, all right, well, the reason a kid might be struggling, we want to talk about, we want to look at. But then he becomes the the entrepreneur builder. He becomes the guy that runs the family business and is building pole barns all over the state and and has a successful business. And all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, man, that kid's got gifts. And I really believe that to, in today's world, we look at our children yeah. in a real boxed mentality of this, sure. is, this yeah. is what it means to have a successful child, and that is completely right. not the way it is. And then you look at Laura, entrepreneur, and then you got a bunch of teachers with Christy and, and, and the, the caretaker. With, it, it just, we're all different. The Lord blesses us all. And I'm just you know, grateful, really, to call everybody brothers and sisters because it, it really has been a great ride. And we'll get to more, more maybe on them in the next hour. But let's, uh, let's take a look here as we flip over and uh, transition out. And maybe we'll move, uh, move over to the gift of family. Let's let, uh, kind of wrap up here. Being a rutten, you're North Enders, right? Absolutely. Now, there's a few people out there listening. I had people texting me and calling me and said, are you going to talk about the North End at all? <laughs> so we better give a shout out to the North End of Cathedral. Uh, just tell, tell me a little bit about growing up a Rutten and uh, your thoughts on what it was like in, in your early days. Um, I guess, I just, I wonder, do they know who we are, I wonder? That just hit me. Well, like, you know, we aren't going to introduce ourselves every time. Yeah. But it just, you know, I thought, oh, I wonder, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, I wonder if, like, somebody just jumped in, the jumped yeah, in and they're like, know, oh, I'm Father John or, oh, I'm, I'm Father, Father Paul. Paul. They're listening to the radio and they like, spinning. Yeah, well, welcome <laughs> to my mom and dad's life. Spinning. Uh, I, you know, growing up in the North End, I, I feel like we experienced one of the last um, neighborhood parish experiences yep i grew up we grew up like my mother and her generation grew up in the north end sure. uh you knew everybody's house and where they lived you knew whose houses were open at what times you knew um what's where they sit in the church and yep. what pew is theirs you know um all these different things so the gift i think it was it all was to me was the gift of hospitality i didn't realize it 
this show is really interesting. I'm learning so much. Uh, I didn't realize it until I sat down. Like, I have this huge desire in the parish of St. Lambert's to help people recognize the gift of opening your home. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Like, yeah. let people in your house. Like, you have no idea how beautiful Even if they, they don't belong there. Even if they don't belong there. Yeah. Like, the one that doesn't belong there is the one who's going to bring Christ. Yep, yep. And I learned that from sure. just living at yeah. 732 West 8th sure. Street. Yeah. Yep. And so I guess that would be the thing that... And yeah. I realize that that actually today doesn't come natural to most people. <clears throat> sure. uh, whereas maybe even, it's, it's almost like, let's take hitchhiking. Nobody would hitchhike today for the most part. We don't look at, but you know what? In the 70s, that's a pretty common way to get around. Sure. You know, I think that previously, you know, opening your home was much more common than it is today. But you're missing something if you don't open your home yeah. to people. Well, sure, but I think even the, the danger is, even when it, there's, there's no threat, we won't open it up. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I can still remember our parents were at the prayer group and again, nine kids in the house and they say there's this single woman who's pregnant and she needs a place to stay in. My parents raise their hand and they volunteer and it's like, you got, we got 11 people in this house. What are you doing? What are you doing with another person in this house? And, and it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, but it's like, well, what threat is that? It was a threat to me because then we got well, moved down to the little well, I, mean, I, mean, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> but, but again, I think so, so much like the threat is they're going to see our house, they're going to see our way of life or all these things. And, and they miss out on, on the opportunity uh, to meet somebody and, and to really be Christ in, in that sense. I think the other thing, though, that was fascinating for me about the North End was it was a self-contained community. You didn't, yeah. I mean, we had Sunshine down the street. We had Bud's Grocery Store. We had the Cathedral. Uh, we had Terrace Park. Uh, and I can remember as a little kid getting on a bus and going to Leif Erickson Day Camp, which, for those that don't know, you know, it's on the river in 26th Street, which isn't that far. Uh, I had no idea where I was going. I mean, I remember riding this bus, and I'm like, what did my parents do to me? They're shipping me all the way out in the middle of nowhere. And I got to this camp, and I'm like, I have no idea where I'm at. I remember one day in high school driving by Leif Erickson, I'm like... <laughs> That's Lee Erickson. <laughs> that was where I went. It was like, a letdown. Like. But our world was so small. Yes. You know, this idea of going to another church. Like, we didn't, you know, like, you just didn't know, like, you can do that. Like, no, it's 9 o'clock at the cathedral. Like, there, there wasn't an option. It wasn't like, well, what's convenient? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, I think that identity, though, as well, that I think people are longing for, uh, it gives you one, and then you have to figure out who you are within it. Yeah. So it gave you the identity of a North ah. Ender, but then it asked the question, but who are you in the North End? You know, and so we could say we're a rotten from the North End, but again, which one? Yeah. Well, okay, I'm Paul. Okay, well, which one is that? Well, I'm the youngest of the oldest, the oldest of the youngest, and the middle boy. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I got a lot of complexes. <laughs> <laughs> but it gave you a place to start. And yeah. I think a lot of kids grow up in a world where it's just vague. Mm. And there's nothing to begin to give them an identity from which hmm. they discover who they are in that. Uh, and so that, for me, is what I and think is so great about take, the North End. Yeah, not because they're going to take a test or because their parents are going to figure it out for them. You figured it out as you went, Yeah, you know, and in friendship, you know. You figured out friendship as yeah. you went. You figured these things out. It was much less of a, a, um, a puppet type of being raised i mean to some, to some degree we raised ourselves a little bit but not really we had that structure we had the support we had the safety we knew we had security but within the neighborhood of the north end we had free reign you know if you played ditch them until uh 10 30 at night in the dark we had it was just was a, a great way of growing up and like you said john uh you know i don't know that it's the last but certainly it's it's nostalgic and for the cathedral it 
I don't know that it'll ever exist like it did then in the theater where you might have 30 kids on a block. So awesome. Well, being a North Ender was, uh, was certainly a, a great privilege, you know, growing up with the Noonans and Earlies and Pyatts and Signers, Overlands, the whole crew. And then there was always the question, Brugman's the Brugman's, the Pokolas, the Overland. Sorry if we forgot you. <laughs> and, and, then, and then there's those surrogates that, like, are they really a part of the North End and those are the ones that lived south of the Loop? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like the Evitts was stuck in between it. Yeah, well, our, the uh, Harbins. And what about the Ellerbrooks? Yeah, yeah, the Ellerbrooks yeah. certainly would say the they're North Ender. Uh, the t- so, anyway. <laughs> and the rare people like the Heitzlers who... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They... Moved Face, in and then moved out and and, and still you want, because once you're a North Ender, always a North Ender. I think that's a good way to end here, folks. <laughs> John, Father John Rutten, Father Paul Rutten, and Joe Rutten coming at you live here with the Ruttons times three, reflecting on faith, family, and working for the church. We're going to take a break and we'll come back at you after a bit. Prayers for the Faith of Departed is brought to you twice daily by Paulson Monuments of Canton, South Dakota, where you will notice the difference. We would like to pray today for the repose of the souls of Wayne Erpenbach, Anna Knapp, and Herman C. Mayer. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the Faith of the Departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. If you have a deceased family member or a friend that you want us to pray for here at Lamb Catholic Radio, call us at 605-275-4659 or email the name of your loved one to info at lambradio.com. Prayers for the faith of the departed heard in the 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. hours, Monday through Friday, is underwritten by Paulson Monuments of Canton, South Dakota, offering quality service and value. The Diocesan Calendar is brought to you by Jameson Rounds, business broker partner with Murphy Business, Dakota Lakes. Eucharistic Adoration is offered Sunday, August 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. in the Upper Chapel of Bishop Marty Memorial Chapel in Yankton. The intention of this time of prayer is for vocations. The Presentation Sisters are partnering with Wildwater West for a day at the park on Thursday, August 11th from 11 to 8. They'll be collecting teddy bears to distribute to the ministries of the Presentation Sisters, and we'll have lots of fun games and activities to share the mission of the Sisters. There will be a discount of about 50% off the gate admission at the water park for the day with a donation of a teddy bear. If you have any questions, contact Jen at 605-271-0468. This diocesan calendar has been brought to you as a public service by Jamison Rounds, business broker partner with Murphy Business, Dakota Lakes. You will do anything for your children. So will we. From the very first day, we will make them feel at home and make sure they know they are loved. We will give them the freedom to pray and the opportunity to serve. We will help them become leaders and make the most of each day God has given them. They will leave walking confidently on his path. So always know, you are welcome, you are invited, you belong at Sioux Falls Catholic Schools. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel 
You're not Robin Williams. If you're out there listening uh, in your cars or at uh, home on your computers or wherever you might be, oh, most people are probably headed to the office about right now. we got about 15 minutes before, 20 minutes before 8. And, uh, yeah, I was you, thinking about that. i got to get out of here yeah. at 8, but I think God gave me like the best time after that kind of downhill it, it's oh, a little bit, everybody it's goes a little to bit. work so you know teachers they're still kicking it right now so uh, so shout out to all the teachers out there shelly uh, everybody that can that doesn't have to go to work at eight but uh anyway and we're joined here with uh the rutten uh, rutten times three uh the rutten brothers father that's Paul, a third father john and uh that's a three yeah a third a third of the nine uh, but we're grateful to be here just doing a little uh, couple hours this morning uh, reflecting on faith, family, and working for the church. And with that, we'll keep her rolling and turn it over to uh, the fellas here to, to share a little bit from family into our faith, raised under the spires at the, of the cathedral in the north end of Sioux Falls. Uh, take an opportunity to share with us and share with the people listening uh, what it was like growing up uh, in, in the north end at the cathedral particularly, uh, and as a Catholic in your own faith experience. Uh, one thing that sticks to that comes to mind for me is as I've gone out to other parishes in the diocese, I realized that not everybody had the breadth of experience with the priesthood as we did. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. uh, because when we were growing up, there was a pastor and then there were two associates and then other stragglers on and a deacon. And, um, and so I just think about father Dave Rourke and father Terry Anderson and father Jack Reedman and, and, Bishop now Bishop Kettler and Monsignor Barnett and um, we just Father like Al Father Al Krzypolski yep. and he used to pay you if you could spell his last name when you were <laughs> you know like in second grade and Monsignor uh, Mangan Monsignor Mangan I remember J M J like yep. he always yep. wrote J M J coming to the classroom every time yep. and uh, so I think that's a gift of that era sure. and of that time as now you know you have a, a couple of priests maybe in your whole life that yep. you really or as you grow up uh, yep. that was a unique and graced thing I believe. yeah I think then you know just the, the being at the cathedral you just became comfortable with with a kind of the different aspect of the church like the bishop was there mm. uh, it was a big beautiful cathedral uh, you could see it from your your house it was it was really the focal point uh, of it all uh, and in that uh, the understanding then of that great gift that we were being given uh, and the idea of trying to pass that on uh, at the cathedral, even in the transition of all these different priests, uh, there was still the continuity of the faith. It was still the same faith. It was still the same mass. Uh, you were still learning the same things from all of these different people. Uh, and it really gave you that appreciation that uh, the, while the faith stays consistent, the way in which each of us lives it is going to be unique to ourselves. And, and the goal was to figure out how do I live this as I am uh, and not as somebody else maybe would want to live that. Yeah, as I kind of reflect a little bit back upon it, um, you know, I'm working there now as the director of formation, and so I'm really privileged. I, I feel very grateful uh, when I do my programs and run the church church events. You know, here are the people that I grew up. I was sure. I was a kid, and there were the parents of my friends, or there, you know, <laughs> the the. Anyway, and now I look at it, I think, well, wow, now I'm here ministering with them and to them, and. But what I realize is that nothing is that faith isn't guaranteed to be passed on. That sure. 
that because it was there in the 80s doesn't mean it's going to be there today unless there's people there that are living it in a vibrant way and are passing it on themselves and that we can no longer just rely on the priest to, to carry that water, but that as laity, we need to come forward as a, as a parish in, in all of our parish communities, in our whole diocese and wherever we come from. It's, it's, it's all of our responsibility to bring faith to life and to live it out in your unique way uh, but particularly, I have one one word here, and that is, but but in your brokenness, sure. Because nobody at the cathedral ever thought about themselves in a high fluting way. Typically, we 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 just understood that we are common people, we are common, but we are broken, and you just you needed faith in order to get through the brokenness. And so that's what I think I, I experienced in uh, the the necessity of faith growing up at the cathedral in the North End. It was normal. And I'm just uh, grateful for that as well. You two obviously come out of that experience with the priests, uh, and then you become priests yourselves. Maybe share with us a little bit about kind of your unique view as a, in your priesthood. I don't know that we, you need to share your vocation story this time, maybe, maybe another time, but just share with us a little bit about what it's like being a priest uh, for you. <laughs> That's a big question to try to answer in a short amount of time. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, that it, it is definitely a different perspective, and what I've found for me as a priest is I've tried to reflect back on what impact did the priests have in my own life as a kid in different ways, whether it was uh, serving Mass for them and trying to make sure, you know, that you knew kind of how they wanted it done, or whether it was them coming uh, into the classroom or on the playground or coming to the house, those kinds of things. Uh, and that reality that that it was important, and I think for me, to meet people outside of church. You know, I, I think about that, and I think to myself, if all I knew of the priesthood was Sunday, I wouldn't be a priest. Because that doesn't excite me in one sense. Putting on all these clothes and stand up in front of 150 people or 500 people, whatever, uh, and then shaking hands, and like that, I, that doesn't excite me at all. And I think to myself, how many little kids think that's the priesthood? Mm. Yeah. Uh, but for us, it was... You'd see a priest walking down the street. You'd see one come to your house. You know, they were around, and they were real people. And Bishop Dudley would come over, and there was this sense, like, no, they were real people that needed to eat, needed yeah. a place. So I yeah. find that I'm always, like, inviting myself to people's houses. Yeah. Uh, are you guys having supper tonight? Uh, it I doesn't just, help that most of us prefer not to cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think for that reality, like, uh, for them to see that, to see that the priesthood ex extends beyond Sunday in, a, in the church setting, that, that you're a real person, and... And you've got interests and hobbies and, you know, you're part of your life. And yet at the same time, you're not. Yeah. You know, you know that there's not just one family, mm -hmm. but you've got all of these families. And so there's that kind of tension as well. Uh, but for me, I think that was the, the part that I, that I enjoyed. You know, I see the picture, you know, we've got a couple of them with Bishop Dudley at the house. And, you know, it's like you just stop by. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so things like that for me, I think that's probably what, what I take away. Awesome. Yeah, I think what uh, what you what you also mean is Sunday or Mass is like ministry, and I think right now is a concrete example of that for my life. That um, you know, I I uh, ah, never mind. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, well, I know where I was going with that. I'm wearing this headset right now. I don't want to wear this headset. <laughs> if, if you're out there listening and you're not watching, uh, Father Paul and I have these nice little 
studio set up <laughs> microphones with arms, and we can move them around and act all cool. And, and I gotta John, wear a vest. John's got, John's got a throwback headset on. So uh, the reason I say that is uh, because, in a sense, I have a certain image of a priest or I have a certain image of something and I don't want that. And so I can say no to a reality but not recognize what I'm saying no to. And I did not want to be, I did not want to be a parish priest. I didn't like the idea of parish priesthood. I wanted to uh, do my own thing. I don't like wearing this. I don't (laughs) like person. I don't like the personality priest. Now that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, uh, because I have a personality, right. and this is the thing. Like, I want to be human. I want to be me. I want me to be what Christ uses, and I don't want to like have to be something else. Sure. And uh, so, in a sense, that's what I hear you saying too. Is uh, I just want to. I don't want to be a Sunday thing. Yep. I want to be a human being that has Sunday as a part of how my life is gifted by God's grace and how God's grace is poured into this world. Um, so. Uh, what I'm thinking in regard to as a priest, maybe this flows into kind of the idea of uh, the church today. Is that, uh, or, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, you know, as a priest, it, it kind of, I always, it's unique working as a lay, layperson in a parish, and then your brothers are priests. You, you get a little bit broader experience or a deeper dive into the reality, but I've realized quickly that. Um, I will, I'm not a priest and I will never experience the life of a priest. And there's something unique about when the door (laughs) shuts to father's office right now, father Morgan, the rector over at the cathedral, when the door shuts, um, that's a private place and, and priests are brought into, um, the deepest part of the human experience and of human people's lives. And, you know, first, maybe father John, the reality of faith in the lives of people today Maybe it's hope. What gives you hope? You experience something in people's lives that none of us do. You experience a way of the church that none of us do. For instance, RCIA. I am blown away at the people that come into the church. Like, everybody thinks the world's falling apart and the Catholic Church needs to change, this, that. I don't know. People come into my office quite often and say, you know, I want to be Catholic. And you're like, all right, tell me why. And it amazes me at these stories of faith that most people in general, we don't typically hear you hear even a further, a deeper dive. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd love the image you say about the door shutting on the pastor's office uh, because it, the first thing I thought about is, well, a door shuts on a psychologist's office. Yeah. Um, well, that's true, but a psychologist isn't dealing with the fullness of the human experience. The human experience is the heart's desire for this infinite love, the, the, the yeah. person's desire for Christ. And so the psychologist does do a part. But the priest is there with the whole human person. And sometimes they don't even know what's happening to them because they've never been in front of an experience like this. And they start sharing things and saying things. And because of God's grace and how he works in the priesthood, I'm able to look at this and move through this and help the person discover that a lot of times they feel like they're in the catacombs. And when they leave that office, when that door opens back up, I feel like they walk out and turn around and they're looking at a cathedral. And they're like, this is my life? I never recognized I was in the bowels of this beautiful thing. Uh, And it is a place where I have to make an act of faith. Do I think this is just some little contriving thing that I'm good at? Or do I believe that Christ's priesthood is working through me? And 
it is working through me, and I see it every day. Just yesterday, I had two marriage preparations that came in, and they walked out of there, and I was new. Oh, wow. I thought, Christ is present among us right now. And then in between them, I walk over. I see two people in this office room. When I open the door to let the people go for the marriage prep, I see across the way two people sitting in a room. One of them, Tony Miller, who mm. grew up in the no North way. End. No yes. Shout out Tony Miller. Tony Shout Miller. Out North End. Yeah. <laughs> she's sitting in this chair, and I'm thinking, I know why she's here, the St. Vincent de Paul Society. And then there's another gentleman, Jim, there, and I'm like, Jim wasn't in that group that I knew of. What's Jim doing there? Oh, sure. And it was like this this pull. <laughs> it was like a pull, like crossing a threshold of hope oh, to go. follow this desire you have. What's going on in there? And I go in there, and the St. Vincent de Paul Conference from St. Lambert Parish is meeting. Now, this is a place they go into people's homes, and they, they see what their needs might be and things. They're in there with Bibles and with, with these books, and they're talking about faith, and they're dialoguing with how their ministry is relevant to Christ. I'm like, the church is alive. <laughs> yep. The church is Absolutely. alive right Amen. here. Yep. Yeah, you yep. know, I think of Plato's cave, if you haven't heard the analogy, but if you, if you have, you know, coming out of the cave and seeing the, the sun, it, faith is something that if we can come out of the darkness of, of our experience of it and experience the light that faith brings, boy, it's really a beacon of hope. Sure. Uh, the, you know, marriage, and you, you could go in the same day, Father Paul, from a marriage to a funeral or from a funeral to a marriage. And that, that experience of the highs and lows of the human, human experience and of what people experience every single day, um, what are the challenges that that presents as a priest? Yeah, you know, that is one of those things that I think people don't quite fully realize. And I remember uh, newly ordained, I was at uh, St. Mary's in Aberdeen, and I was on my third Mass for the day. Uh, and I had had the parish Mass, I had a funeral Mass, and then I was doing uh, the school Mass. And I kind of started to chuckle to myself because I thought to myself, these kids don't care. These kids don't care that I just buried this person mm. three hours ago. Nor do they need to be burdened with this. Uh, yeah. And, and that, that real challenge of having to say, do I cast my burdens upon people that they don't need them? You know, so even actually, Father John and I were on a two-week vacation, and I came home, and I actually had a funeral and a wedding on the same day. Oh, wow. And I just kept thinking to myself, Lord, please let me not confuse the funeral with the wedding and the wedding with the funeral. Uh, you know? And some were like, well, aren't they about the same thing? No, they're not the same thing. So, you know, once forever, forever, forever. Uh, but that reality, again, of these people don't care. Yeah. The people at the funeral don't care that I've got a wedding. Not that they're not sympathetic, but I have to be where they're at. Yeah. Uh, and that real challenge, you know, to be able to truly be present to the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I think in our world today, we're always moving ahead. We're always going back. We're always, we're all over the place, you know. Yeah. Try watching the news and you've got five different things going on at the same time. And, uh, the priesthood says, no, what's most important is this moment. Right now. This is all we have. Uh, and can I be present to the moment? If I'm supposed to be sad, I'll be sad. If it's a joyous moment, I'm going to be joyous. Yeah. Uh, if it's just, a, if it's a moment, I'll be a moment. Uh, and that's really hard because sometimes you're not in a place where you, you should be and so you can't be with them. And then you, 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 you sort of leave them longing and wondering, what was that all about? You know, what was Father's problem? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. uh, so I would say that's probably the thing most people don't really fully grasp. Mm. Well, we're, we're grateful for your priesthood, obviously, as your brother and uh, to the brothers and sisters out there listening, mom, dad, 
uh, to, to everybody in our community, our diocese, we just say thanks for your priesthood, for the gift of your vocation, for saying yes to that vocation, because uh, Christ can't come to us in a sacramental manner unless uh, people say yes to priesthood. And so we're really grateful for, for your yes. Um, Father John, you have to depart. You have to go work. I know if you're listening out there, uh, Father John has to go work. <laughs> they do work outside of Sunday. <laughs> It's not just a Sunday gig. They get six days off, but you have Mass at 8.30 over at St. Lambert. Uh, we're grateful. Thanks for joining us. And if you're just turn, tuning in or you're getting ready to head into uh, work this morning, you're listening to Rutten's Times 3 here at Lamb Catholic Radio. Rutten Reflections on Faith, Family, and Working for the Church. I'm joined here with Father Paul Rutten, uh, pastor up at Immaculate Conception in Watertown. Father John Rutten over in the east side of Sioux Falls at St. Lambert Parish. And uh, any final reflections, Father John, before you have to take off? He's speechless. Wow. <laughs> 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 this moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't, I was thinking like I need to have some perfect way to like segue out of this. Perfect but ending. what I have is a story that I didn't tell, but I meant to tell. Oh, so, what about uh, About faith. Oh, yeah, dental floss. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, what, dental what? floss will be on people the next. Are going, people are going into work right now. They're just going to get ready to go, and, and you, we're going to end by saying dental floss. Please, Father <laughs> John, enlighten us no, on dental floss. No, I'm, I'm going to leave them hanging. you got to tune back in next year or something for dental floss. Uh, that would be way too long of a story. Okay. Well, no. I, just how quickly, is dental floss yeah, doesn't dental work. Floss. Dental floss doesn't <laughs> work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know this? And, and I think to myself, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't work anymore? It works for me. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. so, so you have an article here about how dental floss. Yeah, it doesn't, there's no, hardly any proof it works. And I guess when I read this, I'm stuck by a couple of things. Number one, how easily our culture can go from one thing to another. Sure. Like, now butter is good again. You yep. know, yep. Aunt Annie... Thank you, Jesus, that you never stopped using real butter because you were right, even when everybody else. And this is really something for me to think about because in faith, we're hearing a certain message. And you know what? They might be wrong. Yeah. yeah. Butter might not be bad for you. Dental floss might be bad for you or not be good for you. And you know what? Jesus Christ might be real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... And, and to say, what's my experience? My experience is he saved me. Yeah. And that stands up against everything in the world. It's not an idea. I didn't hear it from somebody else. I was I received it from somebody else. Yeah. But I know an experience it's real. And dental floss, you know what? What if we have the wrong parameter we're making the judgment by? I don't want to sit in that dental chair for two hours and have them drill my mouth into a pummel. <laughs> dental floss, when I go in there now, now that I started flossing, when I go in, I come right back out in like minutes because my teeth are kind of already clean. Anyway, so I just thought, you know what? Maybe we have the wrong judgment we're yep. using. Yep. What are they talking about? Anyway. I got I to gotta go oh. see my dentist here. Uh, yeah. Well, so, so here's the final story. There's dental floss. We ruined it. Now you don't have to tune in next time. Uh, <laughs> when we're talking about faith, I, I'm, I'm convinced that my life changed when I recognized it was a concrete experience. I always thought of faith as you don't see. And so I had this idea. It somehow was like disconnected from my life, and it was an idea. But you do see it. It's an event you see, and then you say, I believe this is Christ. That's what you don't sure. see is the presence of God. Uh, and I had this envelope that totally changed my life. I entered the seminary. I made a lot of money. I was supported myself since I was very young. 
uh, and I get to the seminary and I have nothing. And little by little, my money's going away, and I have debt, all this. Anyway, and I need new tennis shoes. I need tennis shoes. And I'm talking to my sister, Christy, and she says something about praying for it. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe I should. I took an envelope. Or, no, I started praying, and I said, maybe I should get pray for tennis shoes. And on March 4th, 2008, I go down to the mailbox at Holy Apostles, and I get this envelope from my sister, Christy, and it's $20. And she says, this is your first $20 towards you pair of shoes. And in it also is a check from my sister Katie for $50. I don't know how she even knew anything or whatever. And also in the mailbox at that same time is a check from Sam Nastasi, who is now my parishioner, for $20. And I'm thinking to myself, I have $90. Thank you, Jesus. I can get tennis shoes. And then I thought, Aunt Mary always sends me $10 a month. I actually have a full hundred dollars. And and she would. She would send me a check for ten dollars every month. And I'd gotten to this point where I'm like, Aunt Mary, it's ten dollars. I'm not gonna drive all the way into Cromwell, Connecticut to the bank to cash a check for ten dollars. So I just would throw it in my desk and I was like, I gotta go get it. And I went up to my place and I opened up my drawer and I got this check and it said there was a note in it, it said, I decided Maybe I'd just give you the $10 for the whole year in one time. The check was actually for $120, and it oh had been God. sitting in my desk. Oh, wow. And since that day, when I have a need, I write it on an envelope, and God answers my prayers. Praise God. Faith. Faith that God does do something in a concrete reality. He helps me in my need. He doesn't always give me what I want, <laughs> so that when it arrives, I know it wasn't my plan. Sure. But it was mm. him. Amen. God Praise will Jesus. provide. God so will I got to get to Mass. All right. All right. God bless Thank you, you Father Thank John, you. for joining us. Thank you, everybody out there listening. We're going to go for another hour, Father Paul and I, so stick around if you're headed off to work. Uh, but I'll turn it back over to Heather and uh, let her take you to the top of the hour. You're listening to the Lamb Catholic Radio on KSTJ 91.3 FM, Hartford, Mitchell, Yankton, KSJP 88.9 in Aberdeen, Ipswich, and 104.3 LP, Juan Diego Radio for Sioux Falls. Lamb Catholic Radio would like to welcome Barnett Vision Clinic in Sioux Falls as our newest business underwriter. Thanks to Barnett Vision Clinic for underwriting programming on Lamb Catholic Radio. Living an integrated life where faith and business come together helps us live fuller and richer lives. At this year's second annual Faith and Business Conference, you will learn from world-renowned speakers on how to apply faith principles and turn them into business practices. This year's Can't Miss Conference is Thursday, August 18th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. till 5.30 p.m. It only costs $50. Learn how to take Sunday into Monday at this year's Faith and Business Conference. Get your tickets online at cmbfsf.org and click on Events. Hello, I'm Monsignor Charles Mangan of Morning Star. Please join us this Thursday, August 4th at 2.30 in the afternoon as we explore Our Lady and the Holy Year of Mercy, Part 9. Please join us. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? 
No. My strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and the mountains.
Welcome back, everybody, here for the top of the hour, the second hour of uh, the Rutten's Takeover of Lamb Catholic Radio, Rutten Reflections on Faith, Family, and Working for the Church. Uh, I'm joined here with my brother, Father Paul Rutten, and we lost one of the three that we did. Uh, we found out that priests work on Wednesdays. You had to go to work. So, uh, But Father John uh, was here with us, and now uh, Heather Carroll is going to jump into the mix and just... Uh, Make sure that we can kind of play this off. But, Heather, you're a professional at this. So, you, every yeah. once in a while, you just uh-huh. kind of take it. And if you got a few <laughs> things, but uh, you, you jump in the mix. So, if, if you're wondering who who the, the lady is jumping in, that's Heather Carroll. She works here with Lamb Catholic Radio, and it's her actual show. She just gave us <laughs> the slot this morning. It was so. an easy decision. Yeah, well, we're grateful. This has been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You know, Twitter and these types of things, you can kind of get instantaneous feedback, right? We got people watching. We didn't really, mm-hmm. we were like, oh, yeah, there's people watching. Um, <laughs> and so it, it's really pretty awesome, though, as we get some text back from people. We're, you know, we're really just blessed people. And I think we're all blessed people. And it's just a matter of recognizing that. But a shout out to all of our, our family out there, especially that. <laughs> That's why there's 250 <laughs> people watching is because it's, <laughs> it's our family. So just to have the Michigan cousins kind of chime in on a text and, uh, uh, said, uh, you know, when he said, we haven't heard about Notre Dame football yet. Oh, so we'll, have to, we'll have to get yeah. to Notre Dame football. But let's just quick play off of what John had to say about, if you're just tuning in, uh, he left with a story about having a need and writing that need down on an envelope and then praying for God to respond. And God seems to have a way of doing that. You know, our father built the monastery, the the Carmelite Monastery out in Alexandria, South Dakota. And my father was pretty simple. In the 70s, he built a couple of spec houses, and then the, the market, you know, took a downturn, and he got stuck with them. And I, kind of, I think it made him gun-shy, really, to go big in construction anymore, and he turned into more of a carpenter. And this experience of uh, when, when the Carmelites said, hey, we want you to build our monastery, this is a million-dollar building. Like, I think Tom had uh, a, a bigger role in actually getting the probably. thing built, probably, but... But they would talk about having to pay for, dad would say, hey, I need a check, you know, for, to pay some bills here over the course of the process. And they would literally take and write a number on a piece of paper, put it in a little pouch, and put it in the, stat, the hands of the statue of St. Joseph in their monastery. Wow. And there's a great story of needing, uh, it was like a $50,000 bill there, a check that, that dad was needing from them. And they, they did this, and they put it, and lo and behold, uh, uh, in a, uh, uh, a letter shows up from a lawyer in New York from somebody they don't know who had, who had passed away. And in the estate, there was a donation out of the will of $50,000 to the Carmelite Monastery. This is real. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this whole Jesus deal, this prayer deal, this is, this is the real deal, you know. And so, but, but how, it's hard to actually live it. And so mm-hmm. that's what day-to-day, you know, how do I live best the reality and trust and faith and hope in this Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church that we're so right. blessed and to I be think a part the, of. The difficulty is it's not this gospel prosperity. It's not just this uh, ability to say, well, whatever I want, I just ask for it and I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, as we've said before, it's, it's realizing my poverty and that I can't make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm going to let God truly take care of me so that when it shows up, I have no doubt that it was not of my own accord, but it was really yeah. God providing. And, and, and I think you see that constantly in the scriptures. Jesus is constantly trying to tell his disciples, Trust me. Trust me. I've got this. 
Yeah. You know, and yet each time they're like, ah, you know, you had us that one time, but now this is a bigger issue or, you know, can mm-hmm. he really take care of this need? And, and I think that ability for all of us to say, are we really trusting that, that God knows what he's about uh, with our life in, in, in those ways? Well, and I think it's interesting that we're talking about this because just recently my mother and I had an experience with this because we tend to be more prayerful in asking for um, good health, good emotional state, uh, you know, just different things more spiritually, more emotionally. And recently I, I needed a shed. It sounds really silly. <laughs> I needed a shed. <laughs> I can't afford a shed. Yep. <laughs> but... I thought, okay, I'm just going to start praying to God. I need a shed, which is just silly. That's not the way I pray. It's not the way I do things. Long story short, a shed is going to be placed on my, (laughs) in my yard in about two weeks. Wow. Praise God. (laughs) And I've put down $20. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But it's, it's those little things. And then mom and I always laugh because we always, we're always surprised when we get an answer. It's like, duh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that's the scripture, right? You know, if the Lord takes care of the bird, right. you know, how much more for, for a son, than, son and daughter that he loves. That's why, that's why faith is so awesome. It's, a, it's an endless relationship and an endless uh, discovery of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, first, before I jump off into that, I was reminded that, this, that we are being video streamed and that you can watch this. This will be archived, right, Heather? Yes, Heather? you can find it on our homepage at lamradio.com. You can see it live now, and then we'll leave it up so you can watch it over and over. <laughs> oh, great. And over. Yeah, right. Just what everybody wants, right? Uh, but I'm sure my mother my might, might want to. And Annie, a few yeah. others out there. So, But yeah, so it does get archived. I encourage you, go check out Lamb Radio. We're really blessed here in Sioux Falls in our diocese in this, this region to have Lamb Catholic Radio coming at us live every day. And, and putting on great and tremendous programs in this local program every Wednesday morning and others. So lambradio.com, it'll be archived on there. Check it out. Check out some of the other programs. Uh, with that, uh, Father Paul, interesting question. You know what? Somebody always, they, people ask me often, do you call your brother Father Paul? Hmm, or do you just call him Paul? An interesting question. And the funny part about it is, I'm pretty sure my sisters always call them Father Paul or Father John, even when it's one-on-one, like they're in their own homes and they call them Father Paul. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously there's a rightful reason for that. Uh, just so you know out there, typically it's Paul or John. Uh, the, the, the longer we go here, the more Father creeps in. But typically in public, uh, it's, it's kind of like clerics, right? When they're in public, they're a priest. And so when they're in public and there's other situations, then I do like to make it Father Paul or Father John. Uh, but otherwise, I, I just roll with whatever <laughs> comes out of my mouth. But the sisters, they definitely call you yeah, father. They do. They do. And it is one of those things I think it's sort of how you know someone. I, I think all priests have this, uh, you know, where do I know this person from? And if it's high school, it's hard to not, you know, use a nickname or whatever, which I'll yeah. refrain from using on the air so that it doesn't feel <laughs> bad. Uh, and I remember talking, you know, to different people about that. Uh, and so for me, my, I was an associate up in Aberdeen with Father Shocker. Mm. Uh, and I kept calling him Father Shocker. And he said, you, you can call me Greg, uh, like, at the dinner table. And I'm like, okay, Father Shocker. And I just, <laughs> I just couldn't. Like, it was just hard to, like, shift. Well, it's like your teachers, right? right? It's just hard to mm-hmm. shift that mentality. And so I often will look at that. And depending on who it is and how they say it, uh, I'll either roll with it because it's like, well, what do you expect? Uh, other times I might say, you know, I really prefer if you would call me Father. Yeah. Uh, not because... Uh, 
I need them to, but because they need to understand, mm -hmm. you know, that I am a priest. And there's something about the priesthood as well. And there's a familiarity with them, but there's also, you know, that, that aspect. But it is really funny. I was uh, one time out at the lake with a bunch of families, and they're all Catholic, and then the one family's not. So all of the little kids call me Father Paul. And then Father Paul, Father Paul. And this little girl said, I thought that was your dad over there. And the little girl said, well, that is my dad. And they're like, well, why do you call him Father? And then she's like, well, because he is Father. Uh, and it was really just kind of fascinating. So I could kind of explain and share a little bit about, you know, calling your priest Father and that spiritual fatherhood. And, but for this little girl, it was just so natural. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, that's my dad and that's mm -hmm. my father. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet this other, you know, girl who wasn't Catholic was like, I'm confused because how can, you know, uh, how does this all work? And uh, it was like, well, this is how it works. And she just kind of explained it. And away we went. Yeah, I like that. It's your experiences. I, I, I taught at O'Gorman for 10 years, right? And when I first started, it was Mr. Gordon. It was Miss Kaiser. It was, it, yeah. and uh, Carol right. Kaiser's the one that finally just said to me, uh, she said, you know, Joe, you can call me Carol. <laughs> and same thing. Okay, Miss Geyser. <laughs> uh, but, but that is, and so that realization, you know, of the power and impact that you have, teachers, you know, a priest and other people, but you're always going to be, I'll always be Mr. Rutten to some of them. We're, I'm, we're getting ready for the Faith and Business Conference in two weeks here in Sioux Falls. If you haven't signed up, by the way, get signed <laughs> up. Faith and Business Conference, Sioux Falls, it's going to be fantastic. And one of the, 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 design, the, one of the people we're working with in the marketing uh, Aaron, she she sends the bill for the the postcards that went out, and she put on there, "Thanks, Mr. Rutten." <laughs> and, it, and it's like, yeah, you know, it does. Yeah. I taught well. I taught her ten years yeah, ago, sure. and I'll always be Mr. Rutten. You'll always be Father Paul to uh, you know a whole generation of of people, and you're their spiritual father. And what a gift that is, I'm sure, to the folks right now up in Watertown, mm -hmm. um, as they sing your praises in a, in a in a real way, a humble way, though about the reality of what your faith has, has been able to do and bring to them and your priesthood. Maybe share with me just a little bit, uh, Father, about, there we go, Father, about being Catholic. It, you know, it's, it's a hard time in some ways. I was just up in the cities, you know, they've had a real crisis up there. The church has experienced a crisis. There's a crisis of faith. Yeah. Uh, share with me a little bit about your experience of, of the Catholic faith. Sure. Uh, I had to get new license plates, so now I'm officially of Cottonton County. I now oh, have really? a five on my oh. car. Uh, wow, you gave up the one? No, I had a six. Oh, you had a I six. I was from Brookings. Oh, yep. uh, the but, on, but what the saddest was, on the bottom of my license plate, I had a bumper sticker that said, I love being Catholic. Oh. Uh, and I often wondered if anybody noticed it or if anybody ever wondered. And every once in a while, someone would ask, well, why do you love being Catholic? Hmm. And I think, for me, Catholicism covers the entire person. Uh, if you look at Jesus Christ, he was very earthy. He spit in the dirt. He rubbed, rubbed it on his eyes. Uh, he touched people. He ate with people. Uh, they touched him. It was this interaction with the whole person. Mm. And what, what I really love about Catholicism is it interacts with the whole person. Yeah. It's not just an intellectual faith as much as we have a great intellect in our, in our faith. Uh, it meets people where they're at. It, it touches every aspect if we'll let it. And I sometimes think that's the danger is we come to church on Sunday and we only bring a portion of ourselves. And the church is really saying, no, bring it all. Mm. Bring everything. You know, bring whatever was going on in the car <laughs> on your way to church this morning. Mm -hmm. Bring it in. Bring the request uh, for the shed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and to know, you know, and so for us up in Watertown, just a couple weeks ago, we did uh, what we called Family Fest. We went out to a family's yeah. farm and uh, we had mass and we had all these games and all these activities and whatnot. Well, 
whatever it was, two months before we were praying for good weather. Cause of course you got to oh, pray yeah. for good weather. And, uh, Matt Kranz who's a man of great faith. Uh, in the middle of the meeting, I was worried about weather. And Matt Kranz just said, Heavenly Father, this is what we need on this date. This is the weather we want. It's over. And, and moved on. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> was, that, was that a long enough prayer? <laughs> and so the day off, I wake up and it is pouring down rain. Hmm. I mean, it is raining and raining. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Here we go. I look at the radar and it's raining all day long. And, you know, it finally stopped. We're out there. And the radar keeps saying, rain's coming. It's coming. Mass is at four. Rain's coming at four. Uh, and then, so we're fretting, and Matt said, Father, what did I tell you? <laughs> Lord, turn down the wind, stop the rain, we'll be good. The rain never came, the radar was wrong, all of the experts were wrong. Uh, the problem was that it was a little hot. We didn't ask him to turn down the heat. <laughs> but again, it was so beautiful, because this man just simply said, this is what we need, and this is what we want. He said, mm-hmm. stop worrying about it. Uh, it's like, well, why wouldn't the wow. Heavenly Father want us to have this event like this? Like, what, what father doesn't want family together? Yeah. You know, and so for me, it's like, well, I thought I was supposed to be the one as the priest to be able to tell the people. And that's the other beauty is that for the priest, he's one of them. Hmm. You know, and it's one of those things that I don't think you, we pick up on, but there's gestures in the Mass where the priest steps out and he joins the people. He genuflects after consecrating the host. Uh, and... He, he kneels down. And for that moment, he's like, okay, in this moment, I'm in need. And so, like everyone else, I join you, step back up, yep. say the next prayers, step back, kneel down. Uh, and so there's that reality that, that you see in Catholicism, we all go to confession. Yeah. You know, we all are sinners. We're all in need. And, and I think when you can experience Catholicism in that way, uh, you realize how beautiful it is. And so when you see the brokenness, it's like, well, of course we're broken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Judas, that was scandalous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was scandalous. Uh, but it didn't stop Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow I think we've got this idea that, that we really don't have scandal. And we really don't have people are in need of Christ's love. And the danger when we, whoever we are, forget that we're in need of Christ. Yeah, didn't the Pope, you know, one of the, the famous comments is about is the pastor smelling like the sheep. Sure. Yep. And, and I, there is a reality in that um, for all of us, not just our pastors, but somehow that I don't stink, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. I, I want to be careful not to stink. And it's like, n- no, <laughs> no, 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 we got this backwards. I love the sign that it's something to the degree of, uh, that that church is for sinners, you know, that, that this is a place for the broken. This isn't for the perfect. If, you know, what's the scripture about, uh, you know, I forget it, but <laughs> anyway, uh, so the beauty of, uh, of our faith and, you know, growing up as a, becoming a priest and some of the other things, you know, we got a big family and oftentimes people love kind of just listening to stories about, about the family and this and that. But, you know, one of the interesting things I think is that there's going to be a whole generation of, of grandkids. Mom and dad have 25 grandkids. And uh, for instance, you know, with Katie, our little sister, you know, she just she just chimed in and said, "Well, I don't 
typically call father, father. They call him Paul. You know, it's interesting. I think the younger ones, sure. we, we see you differently than the older sisters. And, and so we, it's, it's Paul. And so she said, but for, for the kids, it's kind of tough. You know, is it uncle? Is it father? Is it uncle, father, Paul? How do we? Um, but, you know, tell us a little bit about not having your own children, but yet you have 25 uh, nephews and nieces that are all awesome. And uh, about, you know, that experience of having uh, such a large family and particularly the nephews and nieces. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is important. One of the dangers for priests, I think, is when you detach from family life and you sort of forget what it's like. And actually, it'll be a story about Father John. And I can remember it was Christmas and we were all at home. And I believe it was Isaac was having a meltdown, like only a teenager can have a meltdown. Yep. Uh, and John looks over at Christine and says, I don't pray enough for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, and it was just this reality, like you can't fix this. Like this is, yeah. just, you know, uh, the night before I w- was ordained uh, to the diaconate, I'm laying in bed and one of my nieces gets her two-year molar in the middle of the night, screaming. And I'm like, dear Jesus, please <laughs> shut her up. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, no wonder they look the way they look in the morning. Like you just, you know, but that's reality. That's life. And, yeah. And so when people come walking through the door of the church and they look a little frazzled or whatever, mm-hmm. I just imagine, oh, yeah. You know, I can see thousands of scenarios that run through uh, that reality uh, for us as well. I also think that, that one of the beauties that we forget is, again, we talked a little bit about before, when you open up your home, you extend your family. Mm. Uh, and so I think about Monty. Uh, oh, who yeah. Maybe you remember, Monty was just a single guy who just conveniently would show up for supper. Like, he was a friend, but, you know, he needed supper, and he'd come to our house and have supper with us. And just this reality that I think sometimes people miss out on being part of family because they don't understand that it doesn't have to be your own family. Mm. Mm-hmm. That it really just has to be this understanding that, that you're, you're together in a different way. And, uh, and for the priest, I think there's that freedom to know, you know, there's a spiritual family, there's also the biological, you know, all the nieces and nephews. And, yeah. uh, and that, that aspect of it as well. Uh, and then to be able to experience it in such a way that, that you, can, you can understand the beauty of it. And then at the same time, I think there's those times where you have the pains of wishing you had one. Yep. You know, and I think that reality as well. But that's no different than the couple that I minister to who's trying to have kids. And they mm. can't have kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it's just painful. And you just say, Lord, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and trying to teach them. You know, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll adopt. Maybe yeah. you'll have kids. But, but can you uh, allow other families and other people to be a part of your life in such a way that you can also see the beauty of it in different ways? That's a great insight. I guess I never really had considered is the fact that um, priests become priests, but it doesn't mean that they wouldn't or don't long for family of their own or their own mm-hmm. prodigy to, to continue on and that you share in some way in the inability for some to have children that that all the way back to Abraham and Sarah and the the great biblical stories all the way through of of people longing to to have children that just because you become a priest doesn't mean you give that up sure. right absolutely it's uh, it probably is the one thing that shocks people the most about priests is when I talk about old girlfriends mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know and that reality that you don't become a priest because you don't want to get married yeah. You know, and, and so trying to help people understand that, you know, you have, you have the same desires, the same realities, uh, and, and you just have been asked to live life in a different way uh, and, and to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it becomes beautiful when you can see it for that. Uh, uh, it, it, working in the church as a, as a layman, 
for better or for worse, sometimes maybe I'm casting my burdens <laughs> burdens on the the office. But you know, I, I I'm always cognizant of the fact that I can't I don't need to hide my fatherhood or the challenges that come with it to to my boss. You know, when your boss yeah. is the priest, yeah. it's an odd deal because you don't necessarily want to show weakness. You know, it's your mm-hmm. boss. You want to you want to be good at what you do and. But at the same time, he's a priest, and he knows. I don't need to tell him, but he knows. And that's what I really have enjoyed about working for the church is seeing that understanding of family life and and what children do. And you know what? When you come in and you look like you haven't slept. <laughs> yeah. It's because you, you haven't. haven't. Right? <laughs> and, it, it, and I've got two children, Leo and Vincent. And uh, Leo particularly, you know, there was a, it was a little bit more challenging. And so I remember those, the challenge that comes with that. But a priest... Doesn't every single night for a long period of time having have somebody waking them up or calling them sure. or keeping there are experiences depending where somebody, on how many kids you have it could be yeah, years exactly <laughs> boy God bless my mom and dad you know uh, a fun story <laughs> my mom if you're listening out here you know nine children right so you have six and then you're gonna have you're, you find out you're having twins seven and eight like I mean I'm sure it's just like oh my goodness what are we getting ourselves into well my fa- one of my favorite stories is when mom and dad come home. And back in the day, you know, in the 70s, you didn't have car seats, right? <laughs> so mom, mom's holding in the passenger seat as dad drives. Mom's holding each of us in one of the, one arm. And they pull up in front of our house there on 732 North Prairie. Uh, and they get out. Dad gets out, comes around the door to open up the door for mom. And mom's, I don't know if she's in full tears or not, but she's basically about ready to lose it. So, and I don't know if I can do this. He says, it's too late now. Uh, but that idea that says that, you know what, it, uh, Christ is present and Christ is enough. Right. We aren't. We, 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 mm-hmm. we can't do it, but Christ can. And in the midst of that, God's grace provides for all situations and circumstances. And certainly, we are very, very mm-hmm. blessed with God's grace. And God certainly did provide. And how grateful we are that not only did they choose to have us, the twins, but that our little sister Catherine as well was brought into the world. And, you know, what a different place it would be if sure. any of us weren't here. Yeah, yeah. And I think, in a sense, that's the beauty of it is, is her ability to say, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And then to let Christ do it for her. Mm-hmm. And how many of us don't want to say that? And so yeah. we hold that in. And we go to prayer and we act like it's all okay. And, and we're just, you know, uh, and just the freedom to say, I can't do it. Well, I think that's a lot of our culture these days is everybody's independent and powerful right. and strong. And yeah. I can do it. And I do all this. And I'm busy. And you forget it does take a village. Yeah. Yep. and. You, if you ask for the help, it'll be there. Yeah, and sometimes you, you do wonder, you know, uh, is God giving me more than I can handle? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to encourage and to walk with them. And I think that's the other part about it, is to not just say, oh, God will take care of it, but to really walk with them. Mm-hmm. To walk with people uh, and to feel that, that weight, you know. Yeah. Uh, when, when they're having another child and they're thinking to themselves, I, I don't know. They just don't give them a nice platitude of, oh, God will take care yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah. But that you're really with them. Yeah. You know, and you're praying for them and you're walking with them and, and you're really feeling, in a sense, some of their own burden and pain uh, of that with, with them. Mm-hmm. It really is a good thing. And the gift, I think, that I've been able to bring into my ministry is that I, is when you come from a large family, well, no, I shouldn't say it. Anybody has this ability, but it's to bring your own human experiences into those experiences. And when you come from a large family, you've got a real diverse uh, group of experiences. And when you look at our family, you know, 
we've had aunts and uncles die in our home yeah. and not just one, you know, yeah. but, it, yeah. and so when you look at, and then you look at, at some of their lifestyles and who they were and what they did and, you know, the, we were all broken. Um, but it, we're, I have found that I'm able to enter into more compassionately other people's stories because of the stories of the people that I love and call family. And so, you know, at the cathedral, for instance, we get, somebody came in the other day and, really had some serious psychological struggles and it's easy to kind of either push that off or to say I can't help and you know go here but to be able to stop and say you know what this is my this is my uncle yeah. mm-hmm. and if this if this was my uncle standing in front of me how would I handle him how would I talk to him or but really they it is my sister spiritually this right. is my sister but right. because my uncle had those struggles as well and better able to see that and enter into that and so we have a gentleman that comes by the cathedral quite often who has some struggles as you know in the cathedral neighborhood we do have a few few people that have those struggles that we see regularly walking walking by and one of them you know i make it a a, a policy almost that when i see him i run a peanut butter jelly sandwich out to him you know we got a little kitchenette in the office and my i can see where a lot of people walk only because i know that his family would want me to take care. They would want to know somebody's taking mm-hmm. care of him. Or what if that's me? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What if yeah. that's me? My God, nobody. I'm walking by the church every day, and I know that I'm broken, but I can't help myself. And yet I walk by every day. And but that simple gesture that says, you know what? When I walk by, if somebody sees me, that they do try and come take care of me a little bit. Well, that's Jesus walking by every day. Well, Amen. And and we're just so blessed. You know, people keep texting, and, and now Father John's texting back. Oh, so oh, I, I thought he was supposed to be saying mass. Uh, supposed to be doing the first reading. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's supposed to be. So, Father John, if you're if you're not already walking down the the aisle here, you're, you're you ought to be. But we can talk about all kinds of serious things, all kinds of fun things as well. But you know, there is one important. Uh, thing that I, we better talk about, and that's Notre Dame football. This football season's coming up <laughs> here pretty coming. quick. It's coming. Uh, when I started at Cathedral, you have to write a bulletin article, which, Father, you know all too well, is it's a burden, right? <laughs> every week, yeah. Yeah. and ours every Wednesday. So today I got to go write my article. Um, but when I first started, I thought, wouldn't it be fun just to put the Notre Dame score in the bulletin? <laughs> Father yeah. Fitzpatrick, the rector, at the time, after a few weeks, I think they beat Navy or something. And uh, Father, he kind of looked at me and he was like, that's enough. Like, we don't need the Notre Dame. But well, you know, there, was, there was the story about uh, Bishop Dudley when he was a pastor back then in the day. Uh, you know, he'd be in the confessional on, on Saturdays. And so the kids all knew that what you needed to know was the score of the game when he came into confession. So he could stay on top of it, you know, and so you just simply tell them where they were at and then you go on with your things. And, and so um, I'm always tempted, but I haven't done it yet, to have my phone there just so you can at least see the score uh, in it as well. And, and that reality of, of the great gift of, of Nordic football. And again, yeah. it's, it's one of those things that sometimes surprises people. And, uh, but at the same time, it's like, well, why wouldn't you love Our Lady? I mean... I mean, how do you not? Yeah, Notre Dame means I mean, Our Lady. Not love right? Our Lady? You know, and so how can you not be a Notre Dame fan? And, and, uh, and I think for people, it kind of takes them off guard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, then it's like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, and so uh, I was, had talked about Notre Dame football and whatnot at my parish, and this is when I was new. And uh, I come out of my house on a Saturday night, going over to my house, and there's this little Halloween Count Dracula thing wearing a Florida State T-shirt. <laughs> in front of my door and I'm like oh, oh. I don't 
don't know about this. So I text a group of gentlemen from my parish, and, and I get all responses but one. <laughs> and he claims that he was stuck in a building and he couldn't get the response out. I claim it was God. Yeah. Uh, you found out. Uh, but it was great. You know, again, it, it, yeah. and I think for them what it was is this incredible gift like, I mean, we can, we can raise each other about football. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes can, you human. You know, there's that mm-hmm. other aspect of it as well. And uh, to be able to see that. Or I think about, you know, uh, the gift that you gave Dad, you and John. Mm, yeah. Uh, and went to an Notre Dame football game and, you know, enjoy all of the festivities of it all. And to be able to share in the joy of that and to see that, you know, that was like a dream for Dad. Yeah. You know, our father kind of give us, gave us this love of Notre Dame football as our aunts and uncles <laughs> right. and other. I mean, it's not just my dad, but... Um, so for his 70th birthday, my twin brother, John, and I decided that we'd take him to a football game. And our uncle hooked us up with some tickets. We jumped in a car and drove out to, to South Bend together. It was really a great trip, a, a blessed trip. And they played Florida State of all oh. teams. It was, And they got shut out at home for the first time in 50 years. And I was, oh. I don't do, I, I, Heather, I've always <laughs> said that if I die. record di- you want to be no, there No, no, if I die, just pray it's not the Sunday or after, the Saturday after a Notre Dame football loss. Like, I am my worst self when Notre Dame loses. It's, so that's how I, but uh, they, they really, it was awful. First time, and my dad could have cared less. He was like a kid in a candy store. Well, mm-hmm. my dad grew up listening to Notre Dame football and a transistor radio in his, one, you know, in his, his farmhouse as a kid. And so for, but this is the privilege that we have in today's world, at least we have, is, is mobility. I mean, for a lot of people, just getting up and taking off and going to football games, you know, that's not the way that my father, anyway, grew up. And so what a great treat it was to, to share that with him. But I'm grateful that he's given us this love for, for Notre Dame football that a lot of our family shares. And so with that, it's coming up soon. Kickoffs in like 38 days. <laughs> that not that I'm really paying attention. but uh, So God, God love the Irish. Um, as we think about just where we're going and what we're doing with our day-to-day lives, we've we're, we're, we got about 20 minutes left here. It's Father Paul, it's Joe Rutten uh, here doing a little Rutten reflection, Rutten times three, but we lost one at eight. <laughs> Father John had to leave us. But faith, family, and working for the church. Um, Heather, from your perspective as a, a person in the lay world, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of know us as well and have a little bit of experience, but in general, with the priesthood, uh, you, you know, what kind of questions do you encounter or, or people have of the priests that you encounter on a uh, regular basis? Like what lay people kind of questions yeah, they have? Yeah. Oh, I don't come across a whole lot because I'm, you know, segregated in this hole. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're in the studio. <laughs> I'm right? in the studio. But I think, I think a lot of the typical questions are just, you know, like, one question I had for you that I wanted to ask was, you've talked about being invited into people's homes for dinner, and I grew up at a cathedral also, okay. West River, Rapid City, so I grew up, and I loved the interchange of priests that would come through, and you get to know yep. all of the priests in the diocese, and I um, got used to knowing the bishop and things like that, so then it, it, it gives a different perspective, and I've always looked at priests um, as people, but I've never invited one to my home oh really no because i'm 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 scared like i'm nervous like i feel i don't know what i would do with you what would i do with you no you know what and that's very common in fact i I went to a family's house and all these other people were there and i'm like well what are they all here for and she said because they don't know what to do with you and they want to see what we do with you yeah at dinner yeah um because my mom and dad never my mom was very catholic my dad wasn't so we never had a priest over okay 
So sure. that yeah. is like, what? okay, I invite you over. I feel like, A, you're too busy. Okay, sure. B, you'll think I'm crazy. And C, <laughs> yeah. no, don't you know, worry, we are. What yeah. do I do with you? <laughs> you know, this is kind of the thing. In, in, I mean, every priest will be different about it, but um, sometimes I am busy. And so my, my, my concern is I don't want to just eat and run. Mm-hmm. But if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I can show up and we can 35 minutes mm-hmm. and we're done, I'm fine with that. Yeah. It doesn't have uh, to be it doesn't a big have to be production. If it, if it works, it works. Is, is that uh, what's also funny is kids listen to your homilies. And so they listen to what we say. And, uh, I went to a family's house and I had given a homily about garbanzo beans uh, <laughs> and that they, they, they're, they're hummus. Like, mm-hmm. and oh. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I get there, and what do I have but a big bowl of garbanzo beans? <laughs> and the kids are laughing, <laughs> and they think they're funny. And I talked about rice roni one time, so I got rice roni. And the other day I talked about, you know, if you just show up to a prison's house, you might get cereal. And, you know, so all of those things. And, and that ability, what they wanted, I believe, is do you, does it really matter what we put before, the, before you? Uh, and, and in reality, for, for priests... It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Well, and when now, you come, I, I, it's just like a, it's a casual hangout and eat. It's not like yeah, sermons. You know, and yeah, no, you, you know, and again, I think it, it, it depends. And so often for me, uh, if it's my first time, I'll usually come dressed in my clerics and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little more formal. And then from then on out, it depends. So when you, you know, decide to wear clerics or not? Well, I don't like to change my clothes. So if they're on, they're on. If they're not, they're not. You know, and so yeah. sometimes that'll be one of my determining factors or what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I remember when we were in seminary, uh, we were going to the beach. Uh, the whole the whole first year class is going to the beach. Now, where'd you go to seminary? Uh, I went to the seminary at the North American College. In? Uh, in Italy. Uh, and so we're at the beach and one of my classmates is in clerics. Mm. And And it's like, okay, the rector is in, you know, shorts and a Bermuda t-shirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing in cleric? <laughs> you know, uh, like that was just, odd. yeah, that's, mm-hmm. you know, but in his mind, he couldn't not. Yeah. Uh, uh, Monsignor McPhee told me, he said, wear your clerics till they know you're a priest without them. Hmm. So again, same thing, you know, uh, sometimes I catch people off guard cause I'll be in shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, but it really does depend, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a barbecue, uh, and it's going to be casual, you know, shorts and a t-shirt or whatever um if it's a little more formal it's my first time probably still in clerics partially because i just came from work or i'm going back to work yeah you know so i've got a Mm -hmm. meeting and it's like well i'm gonna have to be wearing them for the meeting um but i think really what what at least i find for me is i just want to be a part of whatever you guys are doing Mm -hmm. you know and so I, i i'm getting to know families and so it's like, okay, when I go to this family's house, we're going to play Kings in the Corner. Uh, <laughs> because I went to their house, and I beat them all. Oh, really? I'm not, we're not good at losing. That was no. one of the things that we learned in our family. Like, we don't lose. Like, you just don't let kids win because they're a kid. Like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and so you beat them. And, and uh, I vividly remember uh, Digger, the oldest, our oldest brother. Uh, playing basketball, and you'd play, uh, you know, you'd play, uh, make a shot for a buck, or say, you know, can I make this shot? And, I mean, I remember being devastated, like, that you couldn't beat him, you know, he, or, or he'd always make it, or it's a dollar, you know, you lose a dollar, and, uh, but we grew up competitive, there's yeah. no, like, fair, oh, everybody gets a ribbon, or, <laughs> well, because you're young, you should win, you know, so, because here's the thing, they beat me now, nice, and they legitimately win, you made them raise their game, and so it's this idea that, 
we, we win and we lose. And so how does father handle losing? <laughs> not very well either. <laughs> uh, but, but it's that idea of, you know, we're, of course we're not going like, to ram it in their face. Right. But this is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes your best is your best and you still lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we play. And so it, it's great. So, yeah, there is, I, we, I just know we got to play a game of kings in the corner. And, again, they beat me. And it's like, <laughs> you know, but we get back out there and, and you know, we play again. Uh, we went to a, a family's house, and he has a giant slip and slide, 100-foot slip and slide. Uh, and this year, he expanded it wide enough so that two people could go down at the same time. Oh, nice. racing. So Here we, we go. Race. That sounds like <laughs> something Tom would do. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so I got there that night to be able to do the slip and slide, and I went down the first time, and I, and I beat him. Uh, and I went down the second time, and I beat him again. And then he said, let's do it again. And then he beat me. And he beat me. Oh. And he beat me. And I lost. And I was devastated. I was—I mean, I was like grabbing for him and trying to win. <laughs> but the only video they have is of me winning. Nice. And so the only proof is that, that I won. The only proof. But he knows. He knows. You know. And again, it's like the same guy that that celebrated mass is the guy that's sliding down yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a slip and slide, uh, and you're you're you're, you're beating him. Uh, you know. Again, sometimes you could say, you know, what's that line? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the line that you draw? You know. And and again, I think y- y- you know it. You know, yeah. you know it internally. Uh, but if you're going to smell like your sheep and your sheep smell yeah. like dish soap because they're sliding down the slip and slide. <laughs> well, and, and you can't be so caught up in, I don't want to say playing house in the wrong way, but like you can't be so caught up in trying to cast a false image of what it means to be a priest. Right. I remember uh, I, I was, I went to college for one year and I should have taken a gap year. I should have taken a year <laughs> off and then went to college. But I went to college for a year. Realized maybe I needed a year off. Took a year off. Moved to the cities. Didn't know anybody but my brother Paul. Moved into a house with nine other guys uh, next to the University of St. Thomas where Paul went to seminary. Seminarians? No, oh, no. no there, there was a Christian household, St. Paul's Outreach. And so I was living with these guys, just, uh, was, and, but I didn't know anybody. So the only thing I could do is go over to Paul's, over to the seminary, <laughs> and, and we'd watch maybe the Vikings game on Sunday or something like that or hang out with the fellas. And I remember thinking, boy, these guys are normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here I am. I mean, even as a person that grew up with priests in our house and grew up Catholic, we all tend to have a real wall built between what it means to be a priest or a nun. And it wasn't until I started hanging out with them that I realized these guys are normal was really my reaction. Mm-hmm. One of them played college football. The other was like all American, like, you know, all the girls would want to date him. All the guys would want to be him. And mm-hmm. here they all are. They want to be priests. And some of them were, you know, had their eccentricities like we all do. And <laughs> they were just were people. Yeah. But it, but oftentimes we don't get to encounter the wall coming down where it's not just the priest in the confession or the priest at the altar. And that's the beauty of when priests are able to share, when you're able to invite priests into your home is to some degree, you get to break down some of those veils and walls and just see the priest as a person as well as another Christ celebrating mass. And in, in that, uh, we got, we got to, you have something there, father. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, who is your priest? Your father priest? Fox, father Fox. Yeah. You know, you could ask him, uh, to, to come over, you could ask another priest to come over as well. I just always, you know, you have to respect that every priest is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so I, I never presume that the pastor before me does it the way that I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And and to not say that there's a right or a wrong way. And so some priests, they just, they prefer not to. Yeah. yeah. You know, and other priests, they, they really do enjoy coming over and spending time. Uh, and I listened to my parishioners talk about how often different priests would come over and it was kind of a little refuge for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the, the church world is just so, 
you know, fish bullish or it's just always work mm -hmm. uh, that they can go to the family's house and they can just relax and watch a football game and scream and hoot and holler. Yeah. Uh, well, because sometimes don't you get tired of, um, because people do treat you differently. Sure. Because you're wearing the collar, <laughs> you know, yep. which is a yep. good thing and it's a, a sign of respect. But um, I, I used the sacristan for our Archbishop Chapu. Oh, wow. Okay. And so he and I got along really well and I stayed with him in Denver and stuff, but I think it's because I didn't, I didn't always treat him like he was way up, sure. yep. way, way, way Absolutely. up, you know, but I didn't disrespect him either, but I, there's a certain level of humanity. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And I think that's, I do think that that's part of it is, and, and again, that's Catholicism. It's, it's, you're human, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so what do humans do and, and what do they like? And, and your priest is human, and uh, and so to be able to be a part of your life, and and I sometimes feel like if if you feel like your priest is out of touch, mm -hmm. maybe it is because they are, they yeah. haven't been invited into the reality, you know, to be able to show up and just spend time, and you know, to play catch with the kids, or you know, those kinds of things, or or even at times you sit down at the table and it's question after question after question, yeah. and you're like, okay, yeah. But I'm not really asking, off. <laughs> you know, but they're, they, they want to know one. Yeah. You know, God bless them. They're asking those questions. Yeah. Uh, and, and to give the respect to say, hey, you know, it's the vocation that chose them that they said yes to. Mm -hmm. And there can be a tendency to say, well, this is the way the priest should be. But you know what? They're going to come in all shapes and sizes and personalities. Yeah. And that's just the reality of the vocation itself. Well, and, and you're always getting to know them. I mean, it, he's not here now, but I think I should still tell the story. So Father John and I did a, a two-week vacation in which we went to visit my mom's side of the family. Uh, and my perception of my brother, Father John, is that he's very organized. Mm -hmm. I mean, like type A, everything typed up, everything. Well, I discovered he's not. What? And so we get to the airport, and we're standing at the airport, and the lady says to my brother, Father John, do you know your driver's license expired? And he's like, What? And she's like, yeah, last year. <laughs> and he's like, no way. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you not have your driver's license right? She's like, well, we'll still let you get on the airplane. It's, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, so we get off the airplane and we go to the car rental place. Uh, and it dawns on me. He doesn't have a valid driver's license. We're going to be driving for 10 days in California. Oh. And only one of us is going to be able to drive. And the lady takes the license, looks at the license, hands it back to him. Says, sir, can I get your license back? Uh, looks at it again and says, sir, you can't drive. Oh. And I thought he to myself, planned it, you know. Cheers. Right. <laughs> nice work, John. That's right. a good one. This man who's got it all put together. So then we're at my cousin's house. We're in the swimming pool, and I'm talking about where we're going to go next. And he's like, oh, I wonder if they, I wonder if they know we're coming. And I'm like, what? Is I'm like, what happened to this organized guy? He's like, well, I talked to him a while ago, and I forgot to be. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what happened to the Father John that I knew? And he's like, well, this is who I am. You know, and so that reality is a little bit more within, like me than I did. Yeah. You don't even realize. Yeah. I, uh, that, uh, you know, I'll, but that freedom that he had to yeah. say, no, I don't have it organized, and it's okay. And, and to be able to sit on the passenger side, look out the window, <laughs> work on his computer, do all these things, and, oh, you should see, oh, you should see, and take a nap, and all of it. That's time. why he keeps lists, long lists, because he doesn't the, remember. The first trip that my wife and I went on back to the cities, uh, I went to visit a, an old friend, Peter Dada, and we get on, and we get to about Laverne. And I said, well, I should call Peter and let him know that we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins to dawn on her, like, 
What? Well, you, you've talked to him, right? I said, well, no. I, well, I mean, where else? He's gonna, we're just going to show up? <laughs> you know, and you're like, uh, I quickly realized that when you have a family, you have to have a little bit more responsibility yeah. than just, but that's the train mentality that John yeah. was talking yeah, about to begin with. The dialogue. Just show up. Just show that's up. a hilarious description. I was laughing so hard when you guys were talking about train people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, and you just sort of roll with it. And it's like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and that's the other hard part is those who are getting off the train have to be comfortable with it might not work out. Yeah. yeah. You know, as well. And so you might get there and they might not be there. And, uh, you know, and, and we've had cousins come to our house who thought the house was locked. And so they just sort of sat outside waiting. And like, well, you know, well, no, it was, it was totally open. You could have yeah, walked right yeah. in. Uh, but again, to, to never think you know people. Yeah. And to always want to get to know mm. them even more. And then to be surprised mm -hmm. uh, that you've discovered, you know, new aspects of them. And uh, it, it really is kind of an amazing thing. Even within our own family, it's like yeah, it's yeah. most entertaining with siblings. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we uh, wrap up here, if you're listening, uh, you're listening live to Rutten's Times Three now minus one. Father John's <laughs> gone, but Rutten reflections on faith, family, and working for the church. Heather Carroll and Lamb Radio have uh, graciously given us the the mics here for a couple hours, and we got just a few minutes left. And we started with family, and maybe we could end with family. We're really blessed. We really love our family, and. Uh, we're proud to share it with people. And, you know, I've found that lots of people enjoy, enjoy entering into that. But maybe a shout-out to the brothers and sisters uh, uh, for the last couple of minutes. Something, uh, introduce and them. What say, were their say names again? Two. So, Rick, Christy, Laura, Shelley, Tom, Tom, Paul, John, John Joe, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the funny part is is that I get mad about John trumping me in the order, but I can't right. say it any other way. Yeah, so. you can't. Uh, and actually, the funny thing is, is Rick is digger. Yeah, and we, so there's a yeah. whole group of people that yeah, his don't nicknames know him as Digger. Yeah. Uh, okay, and again, it's that it's a mystery child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and nobody knows where it came from, uh, but it just is. <laughs> and so it, it's just like okay. Uh, and I had a guy come to my office one day, and he walks in, looks at me, walks back out, walks back in, and he said, "You can't, you can't be Digger's brother." And I'm like, "How do you know my brother?" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, he sells this equipment because my brother oh, sells yeah. uh, uh, farm machinery." Uh, to all kinds of farmers, you uh -huh. know, so they know Digger, and then they find out that Digger's brother is Father Paul, and they're like trying to get these two worlds to come <laughs> meshing together. And, yeah, uh, and there, there's a deacon up north, up by Big Stone. I, I forget the the exact story, but as it goes, um, Tom. So you got Rick and Tom are the two other brothers, us three, and then Rick and Tom. Rick's the oldest. He's kind of the cowboy. Went West River after high school and never came back. And he raised his family out there, cowboys, cowgirls, everything else, and he sells farm equipment. He sells feeders. And then you have Tom, and Tom's the middle middle kid, and he's a builder, lives down in Canton, and he builds pole barns, steel barns for, for a living. Well, Tom was building uh, a building up north for somebody or for a deacon, one of the deacons up north, and he's on the phone talking and this and that. Or I take it back. It was Digger, I think. He was selling him a farm, <laughs> farm equipment, and... He said, Digger said, well, you know, you know, Father Paul Rutten? And Deacon's, Deacon says, well, yeah. He said, well, that's my brother. <laughs> and he said there was a long pause <laughs> as the guy had to kind of add up. How is it that yeah. Digger Rutten selling my feeder equipment is Father Paul's brother? This can't be. But that's the beauty of our family. We really have a diversity that's pretty awesome. So the oldest brother, Digger, West River out in Cologne and uh, raised his two kids. His two kids now are in college, and they're, they're rodeo kids. You know, they, mm -hmm. they ride and rope and do those things. And 
then Tom and, and his family down in Canton, and he's a builder and a businessman with his wife. They run Rutten Structures. Uh, and so those are the two other brothers and then our sisters. Yeah, so then we have Christy uh, as our oldest sister, and, and she's kind of the matriarch uh, of the family in that sense. You know, always somebody's going to take that over, and she's a stay-at-home mom, and uh, she has hospitality to the nth degree, yeah. uh, lives in Stillwater. Uh, and then Laura uh, is in Canton as well. So we have two in Canton, uh, which is kind of nice as well. Uh, and they do roofing and monuments and all kinds of and bats. And bats. And she's and, really the entrepreneur. Um, yeah, she does the, all these things. Like bat removal. Nicebats.com. Oh, I'm like envisioning yep. oh, wooden bats. bats. No, 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 my bad. <laughs> Nicebats.com. She's got bats uh, in your home. Whittling wood. Nicebats.com, and it'll be Laura Woods. <laughs> and then the Remembrance Book as well. And so all these different projects that, that, sh- that you've got going in there. Yeah, the two can't. And Tom and Laura are really the entrepreneurs of the family. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Yep, and then Shelly uh, is a teacher uh, in Westbrook Walnut Grove, the famous Walnut Grove. Uh, and then Catherine. Catherine is, does daycare at her house as well. So it's a little diverse, uh, all of us. You know, we're all still close enough in, in geographic area, mm-hmm. uh, but we still don't always see each other or know what's going on. <laughs> the other day we were at a meeting, and, uh, and someone had asked about my sabbatical, and Joe's like, sabbatical? What do you think sabbatical? I'm like, sabbatical. I'm like well, in September. He's like, how did I not know about this? <laughs> uh, uh, I always say you find out everybody, what's your brother up to? I don't know. I, I usually find out from everybody else what they're doing. So can I ask a question of the family, uh, how, of all the fa- nine of yep. you, how many of our are still Catholic? Eight of the nine. Yep. You're uh, kidding. Yep, eight of the nine. So my, our brother Rick Digger uh, is not, he, you know, married into uh, a family that they weren't Catholic. Uh, and, it, you know, we talked a little bit about it one day, and, and it's something that we have to really take to heart. He said, I saw in this other faith uh, something for my kids that I didn't see. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that my kids had something, and they did. Mm. You know, yeah. they went on mission trips to Haiti and did different things like that. And uh, and they, they and and you have to say, you know what? You, yeah. You know, you can't fault them in that sense. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's pretty. Not crazy. all of our in-laws are Catholic either. You know. So yeah. again, I think it's this this beauty mm-hmm. of you, you have to be who you are, and uh, even in a family, you know. But but it is great because I can still remember uh, when Joe's wife Laura came over for Thanksgiving, and. Uh, they, we set her down between the two priests, uh, <laughs> and then began to ask questions about where she went to church, and if she wasn't baptized. She wasn't Catholic. She wasn't, she Catholic. wasn't Catholic. So all of these things, and it's like this poor lady is just getting hammered. Uh, and yet, at the same time, you know, she stuck around and she joined the church. And we have uh, other uh, brother-in-law that didn't join the church, and he's sure. still, you know, not Catholic. And you know what? That is who they are. And yep. I think that's the other part is to say I can't make somebody do what I think they should. Right. Do. Right. Uh, but I have to learn how to love them where they're at and let them be where they're at. And, and when, you know, how God wants to work is how God's going to work. That's right. And sometimes they, you know, faith is a gift and we're baptized and we receive that gift of faith. But I'm pretty certain that the Lord kind of doles it out in a little bit different degrees. I don't, I don't know that everybody just gets the same, same no. experience of faith, you know. And no. I, I know that sometimes people don't are like, you know, they might look and say, boy, how did your parents do it? Well, um, I don't know. They just used the gifts God gave them, and they raised their children as best as they could, and they weren't perfect by any means. They'd be the first to admit it. But we always knew that there was a priority on faith. Like this, you might lie, cheat, and steal about whether or not you went to Mass on Sunday by sneaking in and getting a bulletin out of the back of the church <laughs> when you were in high school or something. But you knew you needed to do that because you knew there was an expectation that you were going to church. Yeah. We were all raised with faith, and even Digger, who, you know, I don't know, a Presbyterian, non-denominational, he's, he's raised his children with faith, in, the fa- in mm-hmm. faith. 
in that aspect of saying Jesus Christ is Savior. Right, right. And, and, and that's the common denominator across the board right. is we all are people of faith and we all are, you know, on this journey together. It might be a journey of brokenness, but it is certainly, certainly a journey that's fade with, fa- filled with uh, uh, faith, hope, and love. Wonderful. Heather, we're so grateful that uh, you invited us to come into the studio tonight. Anybody out there? I don't know if anybody is listening. Well, a few of our family were listening. We know that there. But other than that, uh, for anybody out there listening, we're grateful for, for the time that you gave. Uh, just know that at the heart of all of this is simply a story of family and that we all have our own stories. And those stories are beautiful. I encourage you to, to delve into your own story and tell your story because we're all beloved children of God. And we're just grateful that uh, today we were able to share our story. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> we, we were listening to the Rutten Brothers. We were listening to Joe and Father Paul and Father John this morning. Thank you for taking over my morning show. It was a pleasure. And anytime you want to come back, the door is always open. You're listening to the Lamb Catholic Radio on KSTJ 91.3 FM in Mitchell, Hartford, and Yankton. KSJP 88.9 in Aberdeen, Ipswich. And 104.3 LP, Juan Diego Catholic Radio. Father Paul, you want to send us out with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are eternally grateful for the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We just ask that you may bestow upon each and every person today the graces that they need to respond to your call, that they may know your gifts, that they may share your gifts, and that they may see in their own life Jesus Christ truly present. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your spirit. spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.